process preparation performance. We're heading across the border, heading into Canada to talk to Coach Goldie here. He's he's currently in restrictions. Their restrictions are bigger than ours, JR. Ours kind of got lifted a little bit the other day. He still has a restriction of five people or less that can gather up there in Canada. We had some discussions with him and Apparently, his, uh, his government is telling people what they think when they gather <laughs> and they try and protest. I love it. It's awesome. The government taking control right there. For some of our listeners, you're going to say, why do they have a guy from Canada on? Well, we're going to tell you two reasons and we're going to dive into it. The first is QB Mad, which is an incredible program that goes across the border. It goes international itself. Coach is going to tell us how he's helping quarterbacks at every level. Uh, whether you're playing American football, Canadian football, whatever it is. And Coach is actually going to be the new head coach at an upcoming program. JR, you have the Quinty Skyhawk logo behind you. It's totally incredible. I love the logo. Coach, how are you doing? Awesome. Awesome. Other than, uh, yeah, it would be nice to be able to get out and wander around a little bit more without uh, all eyes on you. I know, right? It's uh, We got some restrictions lifted here, JR. They're talking about maybe letting people go back to work, you know, uh, pretty soon here, lifting so you can go get your hair cut, which I just let my wife cut my hair because it didn't really matter. I don't really have much, so it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But, you know, you are right, Coach. Getting back into things is something a lot of people want to do. But you've taken a company, QB Mad, and you've made it now so that it's okay to be virtual. It's okay to start learning in other ways. What is QB Mad, and how did you start it? Well, I'll try not to make too long of a story, get a little bit shorter. But um, uh, 30 years I've been coaching football, all levels, uh, from all age groups, right into spending some time in CFL camps and even coaching university football. I just found that a lot of the quarterbacks in Canada itself were behind in their football IQ and their mechanics. I was very fortunate as a player that I lived in a university town and they brought me to camp. They taught me how to read defenses, how to how to execute and play the game of football. Lo and behold, next thing I had, I, a bunch of parents asked me if I could help their, their player out. Uh, JR and I were talking about being a hockey town and Canada being such a hockey place. Up here, you could have your skating coach, your shooting coach, your dietitian, the whole crew and cabuttle. For people who are really serious about football, there was a bit of a void there, a gap. So I started coaching kids on the side, going out on the field. But what I really noticed was the time between when we were doing our one-on-one sessions on the field, the players weren't getting enough done to keep their rate of growth up. So I was fortunate to find an app that really allowed us to communicate, upload videos, assess videos, communicate one-on-one with the players so that when we weren't together, we were still getting lots of work done online. And... Lo and behold, in the environment we currently live in, it's really become front shelf. I mean, people, people, kids still want to learn and still want to play. And, and uh, instead of playing video games, they started to sign up more often. And, and we're getting lots of work done via, via video, video analysis. What do you think are the, the top two or three things that most of the QBs that you're working with are, are kind of deficient in? There's probably five that I look at right off the bat. First, most quarterbacks are top-down throwers. They're arm throwers only. Probably started when they were four years old, picked up a ball, threw it somewhere, and someone said, wow, look at you go. And that started the whole problem that they just throw with their arms. They don't know how to use their whole kinetic chain to generate power. It's hard to be accurate when your arm's also the power driver. (laughs) 
So that's a big one. Uh, second, eyes. Uh, their eyes are kind of lazy. They don't really know how to concentrate their eyes in the right spots. I think Lawrence Taylor best put it when he said in, uh, in his book, you know, Joe Theismann used to stare at the center's butt when he won the ball, and I knew that's one to go. <laughs> um, and every quarterback I see, they're constantly staring straight forward instead of picking up their keys as they go. So that's another, another big one. And then just finding stability in their stance. A lot of kids don't understand that the power of the glute muscles and their leg muscles are the muscles that are really going to help them with their velocity. So stability, stability is definitely a, another one there too. It all comes back to eyes and feet, right? Eyes, eyes and feet, eyes, eyes and feet, eyes and feet. Yeah. That's, that, that's why I treat feet, Jer. That's why I treat feet. Coach, I think it's really interesting, and I'm going to make a comment, and I'm going to ask you a question. The process that you're going through is letting the kid be the video game, which is what kids want nowadays, right? They, they're getting on their Fortnite, they're getting on their Call of Duty, and they're changing their uniforms, they're changing how they look, they're doing all these things, but they're doing games that they're like first-person point of view. Yeah. And you've taken the quarterback training model and put it in that first-person point of view, which is exactly what people want nowadays. I, I applaud you for that great idea, way to think about it, way to come up with the, you know, see a need, fill a need. What is, what is QB MAD? What does the MAD stand for? Well, it started off with make a difference. And then all of a sudden somebody said to me, what do you do? And I said, I guess I mentor and develop quarterbacks. I've seen enough people that go out in the field and just work on mechanics, but a lot of these guys need to learn the whole comprehensive part about playing quarterback. It, you know, it is the, as stated, the most difficult sport in fo- or position in sports to play. There's so many variables involved into it that I wanted to be more comprehensive so that the gap between high school or university or junior to senior, those gaps are pretty big. I wanted to help bridge them for these kids with, with also, you know, football IQ, arm care, reading defenses, not just mechanics. So mentorship and development make a difference. I guess they, they, they interchange with each other. They're kind of a trip up. Every time anyone asks me that, I can't answer it quick enough. The last five years, you've seen a lot of leaps and bounds with virtual you know, reality training. I'm kind of curious, do you think, you think there's a lot of validity to that with the quarterback position, or have you ever delved into that? I think it is huge. And here's what, uh, what Coach was talking about, Coach Duke was, mentioned about trying to get first person as I, I treat a lot of visualization skills. The throwing process really become needs to be natural as much as possible. You know, if you're going to get into an unconscious state in a game and go 10 for 10, it has to be a natural process. You can't be thinking about everything, your, your hand, where my, all that has to be. You, you really got to, when you analyze somebody, find out what they do naturally and then tweak them to make them more efficient. And efficiency is what we're all looking for. And part of doing that is being able to close your eyes and feel, hear, sense all the different things that you're doing to make sure you're doing them right. The problem when you get a football in your hand is you become really result-driven. So every time you throw the football, you're trying to see whether you did a good job throwing it, and you didn't really think about the process in order to achieve it. When you get into visualization skills and also VR, as you're talking about, you got a real good chance to control the results. You know, you can really, especially if you're doing visualization or imagery, you get to make sure every throw is perfect. Every spiral is super tight. It hits the guy right in the chin every single time. And because of that, that allows you to focus more in on the process of throwing. 
you know, ground force, snapping your hip, getting it out in front, hip shoulder dissociation, follow through extension, pronation, all those things you want to do stage by stage as you're throwing, you get to think about those, feel those, and rep them. And it was something I did when I played high school basketball 1,001 years ago. I think the ball was square at that time. At least it was for me. Guy came in and gave us uh, a, a tape and said, half the team, you guys go off and just listen to the tape for a month. The other half, you guys go to the gym and you guys shoot foul shots all day. The tape I got was all about feel the energy coming up through your toes as you bend your ankles, sink your knees, feel your quads engage your hip. And, then, and you just felt the energy roll up your body right to seeing the ball, leave the tip of your fingers, perfect backwards rotation, snap of the net, see the ball hit the ground do it again. And lo and behold, I didn't know what they were doing. And I'm not sure if they did either. But that was my first introduction to visualization. And it was just a skill set I kept doing as I even played, you know, to be able to go before a game and be able to see the defense that you anticipate on second and five for you guys, third and five, whatever the scenario is, you're expecting maybe cover one man or whatever, you know, whatever the defense is, you know what the coach is going to call. You can actually walk yourself through those reps a thousand times over and over again in your head. And studies now are proving that it's nine times more effective than actually going in the field and throwing. So it's a great uh, muscle memory drill and uh, also the game prep drill. I watch Formula One race drivers, and you'll see them before their races, they're sitting on the ground, their eyes are closed, and they're going through the paddle shifters and thinking about the corners and moving. And you can just see them basically racing the racetrack in their head yeah. And, you know, there's a lot to that, obviously, just because of the fact you put yourself in situations that you know you're going to be in, and it's not a surprise when you get there. So for all the American listeners here, I've got to ask you, explain the difference between Canadian rules and American rules. <laughs> what are the big differences? All right, let's start off with the number one one. We only have three downs to get 10. Yeah, that's crazy, by the way. That's nuts. That's crazy. Well, you got to know it is hard. You know, if you don't have a proficient quarterback up here and you get in second and 10, you, you end up because the other rule is we have 12 guys on the field on offense and defense. So now when you get a 30 front, you can, you can have nine guys in coverage. <laughs> you know, now our field is 65 yards long, but not every kid's got the arm to use it all. Yeah. Okay. We have a 55 yard line. So we're 110 yards in the middle of the field and our end zones are 20 yards deep. And our goalposts are on the goal line. So, you know, you can use those in your game too. Absolutely. Uh, those are the big ones. And then, of course, we can have motion too. So we still have to have seven guys in the line of scrimmage, but everyone else can be running all over the place. <laughs> you know, as a defensive guy, you're like, that's challenging. And it is. But as a quarterback, it's also challenging, you know, because we're trying to take little pictures all the time. And if our guys are running around and you, you, try, and, you try and make sense to it, you, you want to see – you know, if your weak number two receiver comes over to strong, do they rotate? Do they shift? Do they bump? What do they do? And what? Yeah. where do we get leverage again? You have to have a pretty experienced quarterback for that. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. You guys, will, you may not be surprised about this, but as surgeons, we do the same thing. You know, I'll think about the procedure before I'm doing it. Okay. I'm going through the steps in my head. All right. Hey, I'm at this point. What if I don't get this? What do I do? Where do I go? How do I, how do I navigate? How do we get it back there? Because we tell people all the time, it's a scalpel, not a magic wand. You know, it's, it's only as good as the person who's wielding it, right? It's, it can't, it can't fix everything just with a snap of your fingers. But 
Well, you usually with your experience, if you can project maybe the three or four possibilities that may, may come up in the surgery, and if you've already prepped yourself for them, right, then your right. anticipatory skills are, are at a max. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. I want to ask about motion. Okay. So you are about to be the head coach for a new, a new team. We're going we're gonna to dive into that a little bit. But you've been the OC. You've been a quarterback coach. You've been the guy developing the game plans. How much, was, how much does motion play a part for you on a play-by-play basis? Is it all the time? Is it sometimes? Does it dictate what you do? Is it tempo-based? Dive into that for me. The one part that I was saying with motion, too, is that our guys, our slot receivers can take a running start to the line. So they can hit the line of scrimmage full tilt. Now, that's a, that's a big plus. Sure. So first thing you're trying to do is time that up because if you can have a guy going full tilt at a DB who hasn't even moved yet, you know, you're going to win that vertical battle right off the bat. So that's one of the, one of the major first steps you want to work at is, is just the timing up of, of that. That can, be, that can be disastrous. I've had where guys are five yards still deep in the backfield when we're snapping the ball and the whole place gone. You know, so that's, that's a hard one to work through at first. The second thing, as I said, if you have a quarterback who's got great eyes, who's able to really have a good peripheral and see around so you can see what the motion does, then you can really go, you can really go crazy. I don't use a lot of motion. I might move over to quads. You know, we have 12, as I said, 12 guys. So I, I may be in a 32 set a fair bit with a running back still in the backfield. I might end up in a 41 set or a 23 set with motion to see how they bump and move. Early in the game, you're going to be more often to run one of your core plays there just to see how they react before you set things up so you can have that conversation. But you would think that motion is a big part of our game. As I said before, unless you got the right guy, it's going to confuse him more than anybody else. Sure. You know, sure. but you, you, you definitely, when you can see that you can use motion to create leverage, to outnumber people, that's when you want to use it the most. Quick snaps, get the ball out. You know, if you go to quads, for us, four receivers off to one side, and you only have the corner half and the Sam backer out there, your guy's strong safety. There's four on three. Let's get the ball out there. Like, that's not oh, hard. Absolutely. You know? absolutely. So there's a lot of things you can do like that, but you, you spend a great deal of your practice timing things up. Tell me, how does that part play into QB Matt and what you're doing? What Say I'm a, I'm a kid that's about to – go from my junior to senior year in high school, or I'm leaving high school to, to go to one of the U22 leagues or whatnot. Yeah. And I want to get involved in this in the off season. What, what levels are there? What is it you're doing for people during the time? Just give us a little bit of that. So the pro- program, I guess, gets divided into two spots. There's still always the mechanics that everyone wants to work at. And that is, for me, it's really individualistic because – not everyone's supposed to throw the same. As I said, it's a natural process. So we'll, we'll assess. So we start off, I give them a protocol of videos I want to see. They send me the videos into this app that I have. And right out of the app, I can assess it. I draw circles and squares and talk to them about the things we want to work on. And then give them drills to work on to, to get better. They just keep going back out and throwing and assessing themselves. So it's not much different than going to the field and doing it with each other. Other than I can give them feed, video feedback. You know, some, I, I remember the first time I went for a golf lesson, the guy didn't know how I hit the ball because if you put dots in my swing, I made a perfect infinity sign. So, you know, you had to, you had to cross pass pretty you know, to hit it straight. And that's when I realized, oh, if all the dots line up, this game's a lot easier. 
Right. right. So now you can do that for these young men. You can, you can supply them with video where they can actually see what you're talking about. Sometimes as coaches, we get a little ahead of ourselves. We forget we're getting older and they're the same age. You got to go back <laughs> far enough to educate them. So the video replay, video analysis has been great. The second part to that is I have a resource library in there of content from working from under center, working from the gun, using your wrist more, preload things the way we want to be before we throw the football, pocket management, all the things it takes to play quarterback. There's a huge resource library by which they can access information that might be pertinent to them. And I'm constantly kind of just throwing them little snippets to see if they're paying attention. When we think about this, especially during the time with COVID and stuff, you know, I have parents asking me for kids on our team. They're like, hey, should they be doing something else? Should they be doing this? Should they be doing this? How many, how many reps a day should they be getting? You know, you get all these kind of questions. With you putting together this program that really, I know you're taking care of kids in the U.S. I know you're taking care of the kids in Canada. We're going to dive into the, all the other countries because you've got coaches that are everywhere and you have some exciting stuff coming up with it but really how many days a week should a kid right now be throwing a football and and about how many reps should he be doing in order to get some of that muscle memory so that like you said it's instinctual and intuitive and it's not a forced robotic movement yeah and that's that's not a templated answer because yeah you you want to make sure that when you're throwing you're throwing right I mean, one of the big, biggest problems occurring right now is the YouTube. YouTube coaches, YouTube quarterbacks, whatever they are. There's a thing called the long toss that you see in baseball where these guys go out and they start throwing 300 feet, 304, 350 and all that. If you don't know how to properly throw, you're tearing your shoulder to bits. So all the Tommy John surgeries and rotator cuff surgeries are increasing, but the worst part of it is it's increasing for kids between 16 and 25. So they're going out there and they try and throw five days a week with poor mechanics. They're not coming back in. They're not cooling down their arm. They're not stretching out their arm before. You can answer this to me, and I still haven't, and I coach them. If I don't go out there and harp on them, they pick up a football and they start throwing it right away. You know, they're not getting any blood in the muscles, nothing to get themselves all warmed up to throw. And I kind of say it, this is a horrible analogy. I hope I'm not offending anybody in this way. But – not warming up your arm is like having a smoke every day. There's no guarantee that you're going to have bad things down the road, but it might just come up and bite you someday. Yeah, no, it's um, a perfect analogy. It's perfect. I missed two years of playing, or a year and a half as a starter in my university career because I had double rotator cuff surgery or protective recovery surgery because I was that guy. I bench pressed all day. I worked out wrong. I got out and I threw the football and I tried to kill people every time I threw it. Mm-hmm. And I just kept doing damage every time I did it. Every time I threw it, it was damage. So I think a long-winded answer there is you got to learn how to throw right, learn how to warm it up, learn how to strengthen the muscles. So mobility, flexibility, and strength is very important. And then from there, go have it. You, you, you go and you throw, and you have to be your own judge. You need to feel your own body. You know, if it starts nagging you and aching you, you, you pushed it. Pull it back for a little bit. If there's any silver lining about this whole scenario that we're in right now is that we uh, – we have time. <laughs> yeah. We right. have time. And for those passionate quarterbacks that want to get after it, you can get ahead of your competition. What do you think on the holes, the easiest throw for a quarterback and the hardest throw for a quarterback? Easiest throw is the one right down the middle of the field for a touchdown. 
You know, so I, I call that the whole shot, and that's the first thing I teach quarterbacks. We, we play a lot of single high defenses up here. Okay, we, we get twin highs when we're in second and ten, but a lot of first down is single high. My quarterback's eyes are there, and the second that any team tries to bring extra pressure and roll him out of the hole down the middle of the field, we're throwing it. We're throwing the post all day long. So, I, you know, I, I find that's probably the easiest because it's also the most rewarding. The hardest one for kids is, is probably the corner ball. I mean, when we talk about a field that's 65 yards wide, if you're trying to throw the field corner, you can only say in the defensive corner's got a lot of a lot of uh, delta T, a lot of time to go cover cover the hook and the corner on a smash route. So I find that that's the hardest one for kids because the just the anticipation of when to let it go and and when, where to lead the um, lead the receiver into it, how to throw them open. When you take over here with this new team, what's the first pass ball you're putting in? <laughs> I've got to go with a concept, our 23 set, okay? So two receivers of the field, three to the boundary. If you don't widen out your will backer line enough to get numbers on our three guys, then we're just going to run a smash concept all day on you. Hook, hook, corner. If the will gets out wider, then I'm going to the field because two on two with 41 yards of field to cover. I can either go smash or double hooks. If you want to widen out your other linebacker, then we can run the ball all day in the really light box. Pretty, pretty simple concept. And then we'll, then we'll get into some crossing routes and drag routes. That's the fun part about the Canadian game that a lot of guys don't know is that we have, because you have one more defender, the coverage variables are, are immense. There's lots. So you have to have a lot of answers. So our passing playbook can be pretty big. So what's your opinion of mesh? Well, uh, I love it. I personally love it. I don't I, – I tell my quarterbacks never throw the ball on the underneath inside the box. Because the worst thing that could ever happen there is that somebody pops out a D lineman on you and eats the guy up for lunch. So we, we always want that under route to clear the box. And then we'll get out and we'll read the, the half to the Sam, or half to the strong based on, on, on which football we're playing. Try and get high low coverages on, on one of those two. Or we'll come back in and pick on the mic backer with them. I, I love mesh concepts. I, I call mine rat because it's dirty. <laughs> I like it. I like that. I like that. Coach, tell us about how far you guys have branched out with QB Mad and where where that process is going to be in, in 12 months. What? How do you see it developing even further? Well, in 12 months, yeah, who knows? The interesting thing was I started to get more kids across Canada. And, I, and the reason I started the, the whole QB Mad process was, uh, unlike the U.S., we didn't have a lot of quarterback-specific coaches and so if you lived in in rural areas you didn't have that same opportunity so I kind of started the program to fill those gaps in and then lo and behold I just started talking more and more guys that I knew that had similar philosophies coaching philosophies like just mentality and, and the way they coach and next thing I know I've got a guy on the west coast I've got a guy halfway in between the west coast I've got a guy in the east coast and then I guy I used to coach against is over in Italy right now. And he's in the Buddha, Italy, and he's been locked up longer than all of us. But yeah, uh, he's right. a coach over there. And he said, listen, we want to bring you over, you know, look at some opportunities to, to do some coaching here and see if we can get your kids online. Because once you're online, it doesn't matter where you are. I would say it's the, the QB Mads like having a, a quarterback coach living right next door. Just got to pick up your phone and hit the buttons. So he's there, and he, we want to get ourselves into uh, Germany, where the football's really good in, in Europe. Germany, France, Switzerland, Sweden, and he has the contacts there, and he's got another coach in the U.K. So 
as, as the rest of the world's trying to figure what to do with themselves, I'm trying to figure out how to fit it all into a day right now. It's, it's, been, it's been pretty exciting. It really has. A good, good problem to have. Yeah, it has. On top of that, we moved to a new house. So just, you know, the honey to-do list <laughs> and everything else, it's been good. You know, when I think of Canada, I think hockey. <laughs> and when I think hockey, I think Canada. It's kind of like almost, you know, we're sighting a unicorn here. So I'm, I'm curious – why football? What turned you on to football in such a, a hockey place? Yeah, it's crazy. I played hockey growing up. I, I, I was probably actually my better sport for a long time. And, uh, and I loved hockey playing it. But something about football, man, it grabs you, right? Yeah. Grabs you. And, and I've uh, really enjoyed some good successes of uh, different job careers. And no matter what I was doing, I always found myself back on the sideline. You know, three, three, four in the afternoon, running off to a high school football practice and get my football fixed when, you know, I was a stockbroker at the time. So that probably wasn't, my branch manager wasn't so jacked about that. But it's just, it's just always been in there. I love the game. Um, it's treated me really well. I started off just wanting to give back. Then I had a coach wanted brought me into, you know, work in the university system. And then you really get into the X's and O's and the strategy of the game and it just becomes more and more enjoyable. And, and now getting to work with, with players one-on-one and, and seeing how everyone throws a football and knowing that you can add some things to them to help them, help them chase their dream a little bit more is, is uh, gets you up every day, right? Gets you excited, gets you going. You know, I, I, I really probably watched – I don't even know the last time I watched a hockey game. I might get booted out of the country for that one. <laughs> Is that still a sport, JR? Hockey? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> only, only if you watch the Olympics. Oh, I better not go there. Uh, yeah. You know, Coach Goldie is funny. The the last person we had on the podcast, Coach Duke said, you know, it's our podcast, so we're we're gonna kinda ask what we want. Everybody listening to this is probably gonna have no clue what the heck I'm talking about. But I've gotta know the correct pronunciation of a town that is close to you. And it starts with an M, and the best I can do is Mississauga. Oh, so close. Okay. Mississauga. Mississauga. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Everybody else, going, it might be the most Google search thing within Missouri here within the next uh, you know, <laughs> 24 hours when this comes out. But I was just always <laughs> curious how to, how to pronounce that. So, well, I yeah. think the Dallas Cowboys' second pick overall was from Mississauga. All right. Back over there from Auburn? Yeah. He was from there, Scarborough, that whole area. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Coach Duke and I came up someday and, and we went to watch a game. What could we, what could we kind of experience as far as, I guess, the stadium atmosphere and how maybe that's different than here? You know what? Our game, I hate to say it in this way, and, and what I'm hoping with the Quinney Skyhawks program is we're, we're going to look to try and rejuvenate football. I think Canadian football right now is kind of on a, a decline. Um, can't say it's so much about the recession or about the concussion issues and all that because – I don't know about you, but I think the game's safer than ever uh, right now with, with the protocols that go into the concussion studies and the way we teach people to tackle and everything now. Yeah, very true. But our high school, my son wanted to play this year. He's, you know, he's, he's a basketball guy, but he wanted to play a little bit of football and the team was going to fold. So lo and behold, I had a year off from coaching and I got suckered in and pulled my hair out and just wanted to destroy everybody. It was, it was so bad that we had 30 kids. Okay, and that would be on a good night. Mm-hmm. Some nights it didn't show up, some they didn't. There was just no buy-in. And I think part of that, as I said with the Queen Skyhawks, is if you're not going to university, 
football's done after high school. So now that we can say, hey, why don't you come to college, take a trade, do what you want to do, and still play football, I hope that's going to help raise numbers again in our, in our general area. Um, if you go out to Calgary, BC, uh, Saskatchewan, those areas uh, here in Canada, football's still really strong. But for a very popular, uh, populated area like um, Toronto, I think the Raptors have taken the football out of most kids' hands and put a basketball in it. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball's okay. really turned into a prominent sport. One of the Toronto Raptors players is from Jeff City, where Bill oh. and I are at, which is OG Ananobi. Oh, love him. So OG's the only, I think the only NBA player that, that ever came out of Jeff City, but he plays there. I felt bad from last year when he got sick. He, it seemed like he didn't feel like he was part of that final run, but he's certainly making a statement this year until this all happened. Love him. Yeah. Love all my Raptors. They're great. I think you're absolutely right about basketball and other sports in general because the common misconception is if you play football, you're going to get a concussion. And you touched on it, and I'll just get on my soapbox for eight seconds here. The game is safer than it's ever been. As a physician, as a father, as a coach, I have zero problems letting my kids play football because I see some of the reports. I'm there all the time. I see what's happening. And I think it's, it's really asinine for parents to just make a kind of big widespread statement that's overarching and they don't have the facts to deal with it. So that was 12 seconds, but that's my soapbox about the safety stuff. Well, to add to it, there's other sports that are significantly worse or not worse, but don't, don't just don't get it in the media. You don't hear about it as much, but soccer, I mean, there are a ton of concussions in soccer. If you don't know how to hit, hit a ball, right off your head. Soccer, hockey, uh, rugby. I mean, every time I have somebody come out and play in my summer, summer football team, they say they're playing rugby too. I'm, yeah, I don't know how many times you're going to be out. So that's, uh, yeah, it's part of it. it. It is part of it, and and uh, I don't. It's all about education nowadays, I guess. The other part, and you mentioned it, the Quinty Skyhawks. They're not there yet. They're coming in another season or so. What drew you to them specifically to restart this football team or start it or start up in general? The owner of the program had a very similar philosophy. And it was something we just touched on, JR's question about what would you see if you came to Canada? And one of the things is we would love to see football become back to what it was when we played. You know, just that tons of kids going out and enjoying the game, playing the game. And going through the process of playing the game and then getting the reward of being recruited. There's too many interferences right now of uh, people promising kids young things about being recruited and kids don't seem to be playing for the right reasons. And that was kind of a philosophy I've always had and he had. So that was the first part to it. Second, really getting to put your thumbprint on every part of a, of a new program is kind of a cool concept for me. We, as I said, we don't start till 2021, and we got a lot of work to do. Unfortunately, the circumstance we're in of has, has probably backlogged a lot of stuff that's going to have to transpire. We have new infrastructure. The city, Jared mentioned the Kingston Frontenac, my old hometown. Valville Bowls was one of the big competitions, and that's right where the uh, Quinney Skyx is. They've left, and the junior senders are there, so they don't have a community yeah. team in Valville right now. Interesting. So we get to kind of go in there, and, and we've got the uh, members of parliament all excited. They're willing to do some infrastructure stuff. We've got some personal finance people looking to build a dome. As you guys imagine, we're in the snow more than anything else here. 
Yeah. So right. having, having a building like that, there's just a lot of excitement around the Quinney Skyhawks. And, and I think there's a huge opportunity to help football out and, and give kids another avenue to go out and play a great game. Who designed the logo? Uh, I'm going to give it back to that same owner. He's, he's done a great job. You know, he, he as I was trying to mention to you guys earlier, that the city has uh, the Trenton Air Force Base right there in town, and they want to kind of make an affiliation there. And I'm not sure how it ended up, but the Skyhawks is the parachute. I'm losing the words right now, but they, they'll do all the parachute acts, and everyone gets to watch them. So they tied in with those people, and then they were all excited. The military is excited to have have some exposure in that regards. And and I think this might have been their logo in the in the first place, but I can't I can't guarantee you that. It's really cool. I really like it. We were looking around for it there before we went on here, and I'm like, yeah, that I I can dig this thing. When you start building your staff, if you if you haven't already for 2021, how many how many people you have on staff? What are you kind of looking for? Well, we're gonna we're looking to get every position covered off with uh, with with some sort of coaching level. Get get our coordinators in place. I'm just talking with some prospects right now on the for the for the defense and the special teams. I'm probably going to run the offense in the early years and then try and find somebody that uh, can learn as we go, and then get get each positional coach. The positional coaches have I've had a lot of calls of people like to to get involved with this, so that part's pretty good. What I was hoping to do over the next probably 60 90 days was get out and do a lot of fundraising so I could uh, offer them more. But with, with everybody the way I are right now, and, and uh, it's going to be tough to raise money at the moment. So I'm not exactly sure how our coaching staff will look when we come out the other side of this. But we'll, I, I think we'll have the, there's enough interest in 45 minutes around this town that, that we'll, we'll be able to put together a pretty good staff. And I've got a couple of players that, uh, that I coach that have reached out already. So when is the first official game? Late, uh, late July 2021. We can do that. Yeah, you guys are welcome to come up. Yeah, I was just going to say, JR and I, uh, we, we might have to make the trip up there. I don't understand all the Canadian rules, but I'm a quick learner. We've got to make a side trip, though, because there's some place that's really, really cool in Toronto that I've always wanted to see. So, you know what it is? It's not so, Mississauga, is it? No, it's uh, Hockey <laughs> Hall of Fame. So, uh, you are a diehard. I love hockey. So, oh, awesome. The Blues winning the Stanley Cup was the greatest thing ever. Well, this may be a bigger bad thing. 1994 was when I played football and we won the national championship up here and the hockey strike was on. One of my best friends at the time became Eric Lindros. I'll so, be darned. Yeah, Eric, big boy, came onto campus and wanted to uh, kind of get the experiences that he missed out from playing pro hockey and came and lived the life of Riley for a year on campus. And Wow. Yeah, we got to know him a little bit better. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, JR, we've we've had a bunch of guests on over the last few weeks and none of them are new coaches or like the, they just started coaching. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I've gathered from almost everybody and I'm getting from coach now is that working smarter often trumps just putting your head down and working for hours at a time because you could go out and throw football all day, but if you don't know what you're doing, you've worked hard all day, but you haven't done anything. Yeah. You know, we talked to Tony Holler with track. You got to do these five things. You know, we talked to Brian Kula, Christian McCaffrey's trainer. You got to do these things. He doesn't need to go over five seconds, but guess what? You stack all this anaerobic stuff and you become aerobically fit. The, I think the general message that we're getting here from everybody is it's great to work hard, but if you're not smart when you're doing it, the process doesn't work. Yeah. Coach, you have 
done this with QB Mad. I'm super excited. I actually want to like send you some videos of me throwing because I'm a quarter <laughs> I'm a quarterback coach Jeez. here. And JR hates it when I mention this, but I do have a year of eligibility. Here I'm we not, go. I'm not here under go. 22. Here we go. I'm not under 22. I'm I'm oh, I'm over double that, but I do think that I can provide something in some way, shape, or form. I want to tell a quick story, coach, and then I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Sure. Football transcends borders. And here's what I mean. Two, three years ago, what was it, coach? I don't even remember now. I'm sitting on a bench, JR, waiting for a transport to take me to the airport. I'm in Mexico. I got my Jeff City Jays football shirt on. <laughs> Coach here looks at me and goes, holy cow, you coach, you, you, you football coach. Now, I, of course I look old enough to coach football, right? Because no kids going to be wearing that stuff. And it's an adults only resort. You know, you get to get away from your kids for a bit. And I still remember what he said to me. He's like, it's probably good that we didn't meet three days ago or my wife would have got pissed that we took the whole vacation to talk football. <laughs> and that's how coach and I met. And we've been talking ever since. And it's, it's just incredible because we, we spit things back and forth off each other. And, you know, just today he's talking about running smash during his two, his 23 set with three to the boundary and saying, go ahead, widen your guy out, see what happens. And in my head, the wheels are turning and I'm like, all right, man, let's, let's, let's put some trips to the boundary. Let's go empty. Let's put trips to the boundary dubs to the field and we'll run smash over there this year, JR for all yeah. those people listening. Here it comes. Just yeah. so you know, we're, it's, <laughs> it's I got coming. a running quarterback. You're toast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll, we'll be okay. I want to ask you one other question. It has nothing to do with football, but I heard some music. Ah. I heard some music by your daughter. And I got to tell you, I was like, Holy cow. This is like a, a superstar. We, where did she get all this talent? Well, as I think I said, yeah, not me, not me, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's had quite a ride and it's, it's affected and probably put me in this position to run QB bad now is when she turned 13, she's just at university now, but she turned 13, she was in grade eight. She, uh, got discovered by Avril Levine's manager and, we were going to meet up with him and discuss things next you know, we we're on an airplane and we we're going to LA and we were supposed to go to LA to Nashville to New York city. And we ended up staying for about six weeks in LA Holy cow. working, working with a ton of people. And we flew home and got a call. Let's come back. And uh, her and I were starting to spend three to four months a year in LA working on our music career and me being, we meaning I carried the bags and got, got the heck out of the way. Uh, and she's been working on it the whole time. And, uh, it's been an unbelievable experience with the people she's met and worked with. And she runs a school up here, a music school for about 62 kids. She's now taken online because it's the way you gotta do it. She's at university. She still ends up going to Nashville, working on her music. She's starting to get a little bit more country flair into her than, than the pop pop market. But uh, it's 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 been it's been pretty cool, and she's been really really good handling the handling the whole scenario. So we're really proud of her. She's amazing. I was listening to one of the songs that you said, Bill, and she's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, here's the cool thing about for her is that she won't let anyone play with her voice. You know, they won't auto tune her. She won't let it happen. She wants you to hear her the way she is all the time. She's self-taught in piano, the guitar, the ukulele, all these different instruments. It's just one of those things that's in her ear. She has a ton of stuff out there on YouTube. And if you got 
Google Home or Spotify or any of that. She's she's got a couple albums out, and she was going to launch her first uh, uh, country EP coming up, but uh, we just had to delay it, obviously, for what's going on. So there's more to come from Alexa. She's oh, fantastic. Yeah, she's no, great. I know that. Appreciate that. Yeah, fantastic. She's, she's great. We're going to put some of her music on this episode, aren't we, Jar? Yeah, we're, 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 we'll put one on the end, whatever one. Whatever Coach wants or wants. whichever one she yeah. wants, we'll stick it on the end of it. Well, yeah. she's got a better personality than I do, so someday she may have to get on here and chat it up <laughs> with you guys. We can do it. We yeah. can do it. The interesting thing in, that I want to see happen, and I want to, and you may not have the answer right now, but as you start to recruit kids, as kids start to come out for your team, what does that process look like? How soon can they do that? If people are listening in Canada, how do they get a hold of you to talk about the Quinney Skyhawks? If it's somebody who wants to play, how's that process look? So emails and everything else, uh, you can find me on Facebook and every, all the other social medias, but Warren uh, at skyhawksfootball.com is going to be the opening email to this. We were going to hold a camp in July, kind of an open tryout, just to see what, what was out there and where I had to go to recruit to fill some gaps, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We were talking about how tight things are here in Canada still. We, we don't see the light of day until May 31st, uh, what they're saying to us. It's actually the point right now, if they see you in a driveway in a, in a group, the cops will come in and see if you have the same driver, uh, address on your driver's license. What? Yeah. They want people to stay home. And they will give you out $800, $1,000 tickets if you shouldn't be there. So I, it's working. It's working. I mean, you got a lot. We, our numbers are pretty much under control. Are doing fairly well. We we've got a lot of problems in our uh, lawn care facilities, which I think is common around a lot of places, but really seems to be where most of our unfortunate deaths are coming from. So um, they're on it pretty diligently. When those when those restrictions lift, and maybe maybe we can look at a late camp in August to kind of have an open tryout, just to to let people see what Scott football is going to be about, and see what sort of talents out there for us to build a team on. You mentioned before we came on the podcast here about the league up there is allowing you to do with international students, Americans. Can you go ahead and explain that for everybody? Yeah, forever. This this has been a great league for recruiting out of uh, U22. So for, as I said, for uh, players who don't want to go to university or aren't ready to go to university academically, this has been a good recruiting ground. So when I was coaching the university level, we were we were coming to get the more mature kids out of this league. So it's a nice little bridge and, and jump and gap for for those for those guys. Uh, sorry, as I babbled on there, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> it was the international students, the American oh, yeah. students. So so they always were Canadian kids for a long time, but I, I, I they wanted to expand just like the CFL up here. The CFL's gone to CFL 2.0, and they've started to bring in international players into camps and everything else. So I think our league wants to help mimic that portion too. So. We've expanded our borders to just two American players right now and two international players on our roster. So it'll be interesting to go out and find those opportunities for those players. Our tuitions can be higher uh, for those in some scenarios for those kids coming in, but that's something we'd have to look at on a one-to-one basis. We get to come up here and learn what 12, 12 on 12 football is all about. I think so. I think I used to play that in the street when I was a kid with all the kids in the neighborhood. It's just how many ever on a side. It just worked out. But JR, did you hear what coach said? They are allowing Americans on the team, which means I have a shot. 
<laughs> I have a shot. It could be me. We'll see the can't... tape first. Yeah, yeah. Well, the tape is VHS. Do you still have one of those? Do you... I don't think it's anybody probably has on beta. <laughs> Eight millimeter. That's about what it is. The tape. Oh, gosh, I don't. Even... Yeah, Coach. We'll have to go on. Just trust. There we go. There you go. Jeez. First signing. I got my first signing already. There you go. There you he can moonlight as your team doctor too while you're at it. So you're you're getting two for one here for hey, sure. Hey I, man, there's anytime there's you get two birds with one stone, it's a plus. Yeah, coach, you've been around football a long time. You got a one pretty funny story you could share with everybody. Something that happened. Oh, there's there's tons, man. I I, I got it. I wish I had more thought, more time to think about that. But over 30 years of coaching, there's uh, obviously great memories, great kids. Uh, you know, student athletes are so special. It's just 2008, I was the offensive coordinator at a program that in 2009, they won the national championship. And the head coach and I weren't getting along. And I left the program in 08. And I was almost head coach of another program that next year. And the kids within about two hours of winning the national championship, a number of the ones that called me and said, Coach, this is yours too, was, you know, one of the reasons why you keep going, right? Absolutely. So, so, yeah. Yeah, it's 100%. a great sport. All team sports are great, but they're just sound about football and strapping on the pads and going out with your with your band of brothers and and sweat equity and making it happen. And that's 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 the part that's got to get back in the game. You know, that's where you just play for the fun of everybody else. It sounds like the Quinty Skyhawks are in good good <laughs> hands. We'll see. <laughs> Jr., I'm sorry. Canada is now becoming a football country hockey will be again a thing of the past again oh, i'm not geez. sure I'm not even sure it's a sport hey, it still. might surprise you to know that i actually know every word of the canadian national anthem because of hockey so, really wow that, that, that even, even the new french version parts uh you don't want me speaking french i can barely <laughs> speak english half the time that's for sure so, well, I know Sivu Flay and Wee Wee, but that's about <laughs> it, man. That's the extent of my French. Well, if I can drag you guys to this side of the border, we go to a football game. I'll end up, we'll end up going to a hockey game, so you, you both can get the full appreciation of what what we try and do up here. And that'll be awesome. Grow the sport. I mean, we've done really well in the basketball world. We have got some great basketball players now playing in the NBA and, and really push the envelope there. We. We had four good Canadians go off in the uh, Chase Claypool, the big receiver from Notre Dame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second round and the, and the big D tackle. And then we had two other kids out of our college, uh, our U sports, our, our um, university league. One signed and one got drafted in the end. So, you know, we, we, we laid a small, small dent into the NFL draft this year. But uh, it's always nice to see these kids get a good chance of, of, of going and chasing their dream and playing. Absolutely. 100%. All the way from Canada, we got the new head coach of the Quinty Skyhawks, developer, owner, mastermind of QB Mad, and a daughter who's going to take the country music world by storm. I've heard her stuff. We're going to play it on the exit as we go. Coach, it's been our pleasure. Absolutely amazing. After you go undefeated the first year with the Quinty Skyhawks, you got to come back on, man. You got to come back on so we can talk about it and we can relive some of bringing football back to Canada. Well, we'll do that. And uh, I got to fall off. So I may just have to make my way down to your neck of the woods there. That's and, all right. Uh, and see how you guys are managing your systems and maybe, you know, bring, bring back some good stuff back to the Quinny Skyhawks. You're always Thank welcome you to do it. Guys. Absolutely. Absolutely.
gotta I own anything You turn my song off in the car Wouldn't let me sing Fill the gap and call it love Truth is I was in love No, we didn't see how to I own anything I own anything